Welcome back to From the Shed End. It's been a it's been a while. I say a while. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, but we're back. I think we needed a break after last season. It was a, a tough season to take as a Chelsea Chelsea fan. Um, but Theo, how are you doing? How's things? Yeah, it's been a while indeed. Um, first recording post-season uh, since the end of season Newcastle game, which was back in May now. And a lot's happened since then, so I'm looking forward to, to touching on all those points and signings and outgoings. Um, but I've been good, like you, just discussing how we've been struggling badly with hay fever. Um, tried my best to detach myself from anything football-related, but with Chelsea, it's always hard to detach yourself. We're always constantly being mentioned in the transfer years. Um, and I also managed to make get out to Paris to watch one of the Euro qualifiers. Um, France against Greece wasn't the result I wanted. Um, Mbappe had to retake his penalty after the keeper. I was going to say some controversy as well. A lot of controversy. It was our favourite ref as well. Um, uh, referee. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, Lauer, oh, no um, way. What's his name? Lauer's, um, my, um, Antonio Lahuma. Lauer's, yeah. Lauer's, um, made some brave calls, let's put it like that. But um, we know how he is. He likes to, if a player gets in his face, he'll just dish out the yellows straight away. Mm. Um, but no, I enjoyed the game. Got to experience the Stade de France, which is a special stadium as well. Um, and yeah, now I'm looking forward to chatting everything Chelsea related. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good like you. You know, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the, um, the break from just, I mean, I've still obviously kept in touch with football and, and like I said to you beforehand, you know, the Euros, under 21 Euros um, tournaments just kicked off this week. So there's still a lot of football. I've been watching the Champions League final, you know, the other Europa League and uh, Conference League final as well recently. So there's still a lot of football. I think the Women's World Cup's coming up, I think as well soon. That's in Australia, I think this year. So there's still a lot to, to, to do. But um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, good to get a break, good to be back with the microphone in front of me. Looking forward to this one. I'm going to keep this one transfer related. The topic is called The Fire Sale Part 2. And strangely, I was listening to The Fire Sale, the original one we'd done a few, a few episodes ago, and everything we spoke about is, is actually unfolding in front of us before before our eyes. So um, let's start with the, the the big one, I suppose. The, for me, anyway, is Kai Havertz. Uh, looks like he's almost on the line, you know, signed on a dotted line to join Arsenal for 65 million, which for me is astronomical in com- comparison to, I don't think we paid, what, 80, maybe 75 for him. I don't, it wasn't any higher than that, I don't think. And to still have him go for the fee that he's gone for, a um, couple of questions for you, but going to a rival, Arsenal, are you, are you surprised by that? Seems like we've got a really good relationship, albeit with, Arsenal, but we've got a really good relationship in terms of transfers. If you look back to previous history, but are you surprised him going to Arsenal? And also, do you think he'll fit into Arsenal's way of playing? I'm not that surprised anymore with the kind of business we've been doing with Arsenal. You look at Jorginho back in January, uh, David Luiz a couple of seasons ago, taking back to Petr Cech in 2015. Um, it's happened. We have done business with them. Um, it's frustrating because you look at kind of three of our biggest kind of outgoings this this summer. Kovacic, City, Havertz to Arsenal um, and uh, the last one Mason Mount potentially to Manchester United three of our most imp- three of our really important players signing for for rivals and it's kind of frustrating I hate seeing our strength in rivals whether that works or it doesn't work you don't know um, but I'm not that surprised because you look at Arsenal they've kind of qualified for the Champions League they're going to want to kind of increase their depth they're losing a couple of bodies in midfield they might want some healthy competition for Gabriel Jesus and Odegaard and you look at Havers at Chelsea, has it really worked out? Has he kind of still, is he still living off that one goal in the Champions League final? 
you know, since then he hasn't really kind of upped his game. You look at his performance last season since January, I think it was just three goals in 2023. Um, and he, I do feel a bit bad for him last season. There was a lot of pressure put on him to, to score goals. Aubameyang being frozen out the team, Brozier getting injured before Christmas. It felt like the pressure was in it on him and a lot of weight on his shoulders for us to supply those goals to us. And he isn't that type of player. He is the type of player that usually kind of bounces off a number a number nine and kind of has that link up play. And the best of habits we saw was when we saw him with Lukaku. That being said, it's still a big blow for us. You know, he's only 24. He's got bags of potential. Every time he plays for Germany, he seems to score goals as well. So maybe he just needs to be in the right system with the right manager. Um, and you just know, I think, that Arteta will get the best out of him. You, you kind of do feel like he's got that kind of relationship with those younger players to kind of... Um, nurture them and see them become these talented players like he's out of Saka, Odegaard, um, Ben White. So it's gonna it's a bit of a shame. Um I spoke to a few Arsenal fans about this move and they're still a bit unsure about it as well. Um which is normal I guess because Havertz's numbers at Chelsea aren't brilliant. I think he's only got about twenty league goals and nearly hundred appearances. Um so the numbers aren't great. But that being said, there's a lot of potential and I do think Havertz's ceiling is still really high. So for us Chelsea fans it's a bit of a blow, especially when it's going to a rival. Yeah, it's 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 tricky. I was speaking on a separate podcast yesterday, and I sort of echoed what you just said. You know, I I think Arteta will get the best out of Kai Havertz, and you have to think Kai Havertz has played under multiple, you know, different style of uh, managers under Chelsea. I think he he came when Frank Lampard was still here in his first stint. I think um, he's played under Thomas Tuchel, Graham Potter, uh, Frank Lampard again. So he's had a number of. Of, of managers and coaches to, to try and adapt and mould him. And if you remember back to that famous uh, press conference or infamous based press conference when Thomas Tuchel was asked what's his favourite position, you know, and he couldn't really answer it. He couldn't tell us what his favourite his favorite position is. He, he almost danced around the question and said, well, he can play off the left and he can play as a false nine and he can play as a 10. And so he's never really had a definitive role, I don't think, at Chelsea. And I think that's really um, stumped his, his progression as a player. I think he's a really good player. I think, you know, aerial duels, you know, in a box, you know, aerially, he's really one of the best, I think, on his day. Um, you know, when he was at Bayern Leverkusen, one of the reasons why we brought him is because his, his, his energy and his bursts to get into the box was one of the things that we, I'd assume we picked up on as, as um, you know, from a scouting perspective. And I think, you know, I don't think I have it as ever, I don't know why we, we played him as a natural number nine. I think that was really harsh on him because, like you just said, the expectation for him was to go and score goals. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's his end product. I don't think he should be the one that scores. I think he should be the one that provides the assists for the goal. I think he should be the one that comes and uses the space on the left or the right or, you know, the pockets of space behind the attacker. And I think he'll do that at Arsenal. I think, you know, Arsenal Champions League now, you know, it's a big, you know, you need a big squad to do that. You need to have rotation. They missed Gabriel Jesus last season as well when you think back to the injury. Um, I think he's got a role to play where Xhaka, you know, Xhaka filled a, a very good role for them. And I think he can do that role for for, for Arsenal. Um, I, I think the fee for me is, is what has warmed me up to the idea of him leaving. Obviously, we knew by the 30th next Friday, we had to get rid of X amount of players, X amount of money off the books and X amount of money off the wage bill. So Kai Havertz being one of the higher paid players and the fee that we've got for him, I can't argue with that. I think it's a really good bit of business. The problem is we've, we've strengthened an Arsenal team that almost won the Premier League last season. So I think it will work out for, for Arsenal. Um, but I'm interested because I feel like the replacement we've brought in for Kai Havertz in, in Cuckoo, um, for me, I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, he's had a really good campaign 
um, in the Bundesliga. But what's your thoughts on Nkunku, who's officially now a Chelsea player? Um, I think there was some press that came out this morning of him actually in a Chelsea shirt as well. So um, what's your thoughts on Nkunku coming in? And what role do you expect him to play as well um, next season for us? Yeah, I'm excited. Like you, I'm really excited. I think the pictures finally got released today of him wearing the Chelsea shirt. It is still last season's Chelsea shirt. I was, shirt, about, but, but <laughs> I was still, about to say that, yeah. <laughs> it's still a Chelsea shirt. We've still got the contract with three. So I guess it's only right to share it, share the picture of him with that shirt. Um, it'd be an odd one for me still because he passes medical by under Tuchel. I think signed when Graham Potter was in charge and then now officially kind of unveiled under Pochettino. So you do wonder who's kind of player this is, whether it's a Pochettino signing, which clearly it isn't, whether it was a Tuchel one, a Potter one, a Bowley one. That being said, really excited, um, really exciting player, um, top goal scorer in the Bundesliga. I think joint top goal scorer with um, Nico Fuitberg, I think he's called, from um, Wolfsburg. Um, he's very versatile. I was fortunate to see him come off the bench against um, Greece in the other side of France last weekend. He made a little cameo alongside Olivier Giraud. Um, and a lot of France fans are kind of telling me how, how lucky we are to have this player and how he's a top, top talent, not just in the Bundesliga, but also... Um, in um in Liga football because I think they they signed him Leipzig signed him from PSG in 2019 so he's yeah. kind of played now in three top leagues so he's no kind of stranger to, to you know the big stage um yeah exciting player I still don't really know what his kind of best position is similarly to Havertz whether he's a more kind of a centre forward a striker whether he's that type of player that operates alongside a number nine um so that's still got to be seen um. And I'm still also a bit sceptical now when we sign these kind of top talents from the Bundesliga. You look at Werner, you look at Havertz. It's yeah. still where we can class those as successes. I'm not sure yet. So I really hope um, uh, Nkuku um, maybe um, kind of um, doesn't, doesn't really go with that kind of flow of those Bundesliga signings not performing. But um, really exciting, really exciting player and um, a lot of money as well. So there's obviously going to be a pressure for him to to perform from the off. But hopefully he'll get, um, we've got it wrapped up nice and early now. So he'll be, reporting for pre-season on the 3rd of July and working straight straight with the other players and Pochettino from the off. Yeah, and another another player who just before we came on to record was was almost given the green light the here we go by Fabrizio Romano which kind of entails that it's a done deal. Uh, Nicholas Jackson is another player that we look to have signed uh, a, a striker which is something that we've been crying out for. Um, a fee in the region of 35 million uh, euros with the release clause um, being activated. It might increase because we'd be paying that over in an installment period. So um, good player um, from what I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, as I said, I was on a podcast yesterday and I don't really know that much about him. So, um, but I've been reassured by people that have been watching the league a lot closer than I have the last season that he's a good player. Um, I think he scored 12, maybe in 19 or something along those lines. So he's got a good goal to match ratio, um, albeit in a legal. Um, but I think we've got to give him the time. And I think he's got to come in and, and gel, um, try and get used to. And I think it's coming at the right time. You know, new manager comes in. Um, we've got a lot of new players that are going to be wanting to do well for for the manager as well. So I think him coming in, I think it's probably the right time. But what's your thoughts on Nicholas Jackson? Um, and out and out striker, I think. Um, another one to add to the books when you think about who's still got his strikers on the books at the moment. But what's your thoughts on, on him coming to the club? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to sit here and say that I watched every single one of his games in La Liga last season. Um, I think his name slightly rings the bell. Um, a good player, his numbers are good. The number of goals he's got and the number of appearances that he's made for Villarreal. I think there were a lot of big clubs that were linked to him as well. Um, 
back in January and also also this summer. Um, I just really hope it's not one of those players that we signed similarly to Datra Fofana. He's not really going to kind of have an instant impact and just make the odd kind of cameo appearance off the bench and then be linked to a loan move away. But I really hope it's one of those players that's got kind of a, the manager and the owners have got a plan for him from the off and they've actually kind of, you know, scouted him so he knows that he's going to fit the system. Um, but it makes sense to sign number nines. We kind of clearly lack goals. Um, Broja is still injured, I think. He still will be fit come August, September. I know he's going to be included in the preseason kind of training and the tour, but it's still too early to kind of um, throw him into the deep end when the season starts. Um, Hazlitt's obviously being linked with a move away. Yang probably going to be off to Saudi as well. So, mm. um, so yeah, it makes sense to sign a number str- uh, number nine and another player that I'm quite excited to watch and hopefully he hits the ground running. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned um, Yang. I haven't mentioned Lukaku yet, but I will now. Um Two players that you would assume and expect to leave the club in, in the next couple of weeks or so. It does free up a lot of room in that in that space, you know, in that department, because obviously, like you just mentioned, Breuer potentially won't be back. I think that he will be back at some point in the early part of the season, but to see him probably pre-season or, you know, August, September is probably a bit adventurous. So that David Dachofofano, I, I believe, um, from what I've read this morning, is now linked with Strasbourg due to the takeover which we'll talk about slightly later on so it does free up a lot of space and obviously and Cuckoo can play that role as well Raheem Sterling technically can still play across the front three depending on how Potocino wants to line up so I I, I want to see him coming I'm my expectation and not to con- compare the two players at all because I don't know much about Nicholas Jackson but you know it reminds me of Didier Drogba when we didn't really know about him and we didn't really know what he was about and he came into the to the league and he, he took it by storm eventually you know he had that sort of first half of the season where he was throwing himself to the ground and he was trying to to do this and that and you know um he nearly built up a reputation of being a diver and just you know but he, he found his he found his ground he found where he needed to be on the pitch and it worked for him and I'm hoping we can see the same for Nicholas Jackson because I think if we can you know it's a steal in my opinion 35 million for a striker in today's world is is a bargain if we can get him get him playing well yeah, and it's also these type of signings that go under the radar that are the ones that end up kind of doing the best. And there's kind of maybe less expectation, less pressure on the player. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, he's from the Gambia as well, which I think geographically isn't too far from Ivory Coast. Yeah, yeah So yeah. maybe maybe yeah. those links to drug burn may be accurate after all. He must be the first Gambian we've ever signed at Chelsea. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be. I don't think we've had a Gambian before. But yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to see him do well, I really do. Um, and, and yeah, like we said, we've been crying out for a striker for how many years since Diego Costa. So let's hope Nicholas Jackson is that one to um, to, to replace Aubameyang and Lukaku. Yeah, let's hope. But Lukaku is another one that I think um, big wages as well. So if we can game off the books as soon as possible, the better. I know there were talks end of last season, maybe reintegrating him into the, the first team, given that we need goals, we need a striker. But from what I've seen him say recently, I think he's even going to yeah. do another interview about his life at Chelsea and London. Let him go. Let him go, honestly. He's now being linked to, to AC Milan. So if he goes yeah. to AC Milan, clearly that whole love story of Inter Milan will be long gone. Well, it um, won't go down with the Inter fans well, will no. it, if he signs with their rivals? So, yeah. and, and, and to be honest, I think he's shot himself in the foot because I think there was a, a gateway for him back into, into Chelsea this season. I think his, his um, resilience or his reluctance to, to come back can even entertain a conversation with Potocino, you know, train with the club through pre-season, which he's going to have to do if, if Inter can't sign him or AC don't want to, to pay the wages that he wants or he doesn't want the deal that's been offered to him in Saudi as well. So there are options for him, but he just doesn't, he doesn't obviously want them. So if that is the case, he comes back to, to Chelsea, then he's got no choice but to either stick it and just 
you know, expects a lot of disgruntled fans to, to be hurling some form of abuse at him, which it will happen, unfortunately. Or he takes the Saudi deal or he takes a pay cut and goes to, you know, Inter or AC Milan. But um, I want to talk about Mateo Kovacic next, who I love. And you, I've spoken about him so much on this podcast, how I love what he does for the club and for the team. Do you think now, based on last season, we spoke about how he sort of changed his mentality on the pitch as well. Um, his attitude slightly changed as well possibly down to injuries but do you think this is probably the best time to sell Mateo Kovacic especially at 29 I mean he's at that age where he's only going to get one or two good seasons out of him but do you think it's a good time to sell is it a bad thing that we sold to Manchester City yeah similar to you it's a player I loved even when he was back at Inter and Real Madrid it was a player that I really appreciated and I really I loved watching I still got somewhere in my cupboard and Real Madrid shout with his name on a number on the back even um but yeah, I think the timing is right. If I'm honest, you looked at his body language and his kind of attitude on the pitch um, last season and he didn't look like he was quite there. He felt like he didn't really believe in the managers, the projects as well. Um, and he felt like his head was already kind of with Guardiola City at the time. Um, he's 29 as well. So it's kind of that age now where probably still the most money you can get from him is in his transfer window here. But that being said, I think it's 25 million with 5 million of bonuses is the price that's being kind of quoted by Manchester City or in a kind of rumours at the moment. And for me, that's not enough money. That's not enough money. Oh, really? Like, for me, like a player of Kovacic's standard should be going for at least 40, 45, in my opinion. Is it reckon it's down it? to his, his, his contract, though? Is he, he's only got one year left, I think, on his, his deal, I think. Potentially, potentially. But I still feel like you're selling to a rival. You're selling to a player, a team that are desperate for midfielders after Gundogan's... Yeah, um, the price up. Going to go to... Um, to um, to Barcelona and you're also looking at us Chelsea we're losing our whole midfield now Kante signed with Saudi Jorginho's yeah. left in January um, Kovacic is about to sign for City Billy Gilmore a player who used to be the fourth choice midfielder um, a couple of seasons ago signed for Brighton last year we've lost our whole 2021 spine in midfield in the space of you know two transfer windows so we're desperate now for midfielders and we should do everything possible not to keep these players but to make it hard for other players to acquire them and that means upping their prices in my opinion do you think if we didn't have the this sort of deadline hanging over our heads next Friday, the 30th, if if that wasn't there, do you think there would be a bit more hardball being played by Todd Bowley and co? And maybe, you know, we're not going to sell him for 25. We're going to, like you just said, you know, we are going to increase it. We want 40 million, you know, or the players, the players going to leave on a free. Do you think that would be the case? And, and And maybe the deadline is the reason why we're just having to sort of accept what is maybe not the best offer but it's an offer that maybe we're willing to accept as a club yeah I definitely think that's playing a part as well and I also think we want to come start of, um, start of July to have just players that want to be at the club that will be part of the yeah. pre-season and they'll be there for the start of the season as well you look at our season our pre-season last year I still think we had Marcus Alonso playing against Club America <laughs> you know in our, in our pre-season tour of the US so it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to have players that just don't want to be there using up training time, using up resources. Um, so yeah, I think the sooner we can get these deals completed for the right amounts of money, the better in my opinion. And we, like you did also say, you've got, we've got that deadline kind of um, putting added pressure on us um, to complete these deals come the end of June. Yeah, I agree. I want to, I want to, I want to take it over to, to Saudi for a minute because there's been a lot of discussions obviously around um, 
you know, we're cheating, we're cheating the game. And I don't know if you got to see Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher's tweets. And, you know, I've said this three times in the last 24 hours. I'm going to say it again. This is the same Gary Neville that was not bothered when Ronaldo went over to Saudi and, you know, started to play football over there. The same Gary Neville that moaned about Qatar and sat in those stadiums during the World Cup and was not bothered about the amount of people that died in those, those stadiums to build them. He sat there and took a wage from Sky Sports to go over there and do that. Same Gary Neville that owns Salford Football Club and is pushing them through the pyramid of the Football League to sell them to someone, potentially a, you know, a rich Saudi owner. He's going to sell it. So I think he's a, a massive hypocrite. I really do. I think he's he's someone that... Um, he's you know, praising he's, Newcastle as well. Yeah. He? I mean, he's praising Newcastle. You know, he, the Premier League is built off exactly what the Saudi League are trying to do at the moment. It's basically putting all the money into the Premier League, getting all the best players to come to the Premier League and earning more money. So that's exactly what the Saudi are trying to do. So I think they're both of them massive hypocrites, you know, both support clubs, United and Liverpool, who would love the Qataris to come and take their clubs over as well. You know, so I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there because I want to talk about the players, the Chelsea players. And first of all, N'Golo Kante, who... As much as we knew he was potentially going to leave, you know, the contract that was spoken about the back end of the season um, seemed to have stalled. The conversations went dry and there wasn't any real um, concrete evidence that he was going to sign that deal. So Kante leaving, is it? Is that a massive loss? You've got your stress ball. If anyone can't see, Theo, <laughs> I've mentioned Kante and now Theo's got a stress ball in his hand. So um, do you think it's a bit, again, the perfect time to sell Kante injuries permitted and whatever's gone on with Kante um, and for the money as well, you know, he's won everything. He's, he's been a loyal servant to the club. Is it is it time, the best time for him to go? Yeah, I mean, you look at Kante last season, he only played, what, five or six games for us throughout the year. Um, and even when Kante is fit or when he's closer to being fit, we still only get 50% of Kante throughout the season. Um, so maybe the timing is right. And I think alongside Lukaku, he's our our highest owner in terms of wages as well. Yeah. So it's a big, big wages off the books as well. Um, obviously, it's still such a shame, not just from a Chelsea perspective, from, but from a football perspective, to see a player of his quality, I think, play in a league that maybe fans in Europe will potentially watch or have any interest in. And he's still a player that, for me, can, can do an amazing job in Europe, in the Champions League, at a Euros or World Cup. Um, but I guess it's his fitness issues that are the problem. We're not even selling him, we're letting him go for free, which is a bit of a blow as well, because you can still mm. think maybe, you know, Kante had one year left in his contract, we could have got him for, you know, 10 million, 15 million potentially. Um, but yeah, I think we had a bit of hope when he came back from that injury and he, um, I think it was against Everton and then he got a sequence of games going. There were talks about a contract extension, especially with the Kovacic rumours to City, the Jorginho departure to, um, to uh, January at the time I really wanted him to stay but now I'm kind of resigned to the fact that he's left we've got to build a kind of a midfielder um, without him there's talks about signing Caicedo now he's another really exciting player with similar profile to Kante Gratit uh, missed out on Agate so I think that was a player that was brilliant to, to you know, fill in the boots of Kante but um, it seems like now that we've got rid of those three kind of core midfielders that we've we've had um, for the last maybe five, six years time's right now to move on and kind of build a new spine to our team you mentioned Caicedo, who was obviously heavily linked with Arsenal. And, you know, I think even Declan Rice, you know, I think they're going to potentially miss out on both of those players because of the way they're trying to do these payments and, you know, offer you know X amount with add-ons. And I think especially West Ham, they just want 100 million cold cash. They don't want to be sort of... Um, so with Caicedo, I mean, it looks like Arsenal are out of the race. They, they said that a couple of uh, weeks ago. 
we are front runners or one of the front runners to sign him. I think he is the most crucial signing now, um, albeit as well a goalkeeper, but I think he's the most crucial signing we need. We've lost Kante. You mentioned, you know, obviously losing Jorginho in the, in the, the January window. Uh, Kovacic is going, gone as well, going to Manchester City. So I think we have to make sure that Enzo Fernandez has the right midfield partnership around him to be able to do what he needs to do. And we, we got to see glimpses of it last season. But one of the things that I spoke about on here, and I think you did as well, was that, you know, Enzo was looking more frustrated the back end of the season. You know, the lack of passes that were available to him in front of him, the, the support alongside him. You know, we never really, we never got to see Kante and Enzo play together, I don't think, at all, did we? No. So, you know, it's um, it's a shame because I think that would have been a really good partnership between the two of them. But I think Moises Caicedo coming in, if we can sign him, would be just as not as good as Kante, but he'd be a good replacement for for the level that we need to go forward in midfield. But if we don't get Caicedo, I mean, we're sort of running out of options now because we we clearly probably won't sign Declan Rice, which is was another big target for us. Who else is out there? I mean, I think um, you mentioned, I think it was Edison Alvarez, I think at one point as well. I think he's signed for someone already Dor- now. I think I he's about, he's about to go to Dortmund. Dortmund. I think Arsenal being linked to Lavia now, who we might miss out on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, yeah. does this pave the way for maybe a Cesare Cassidy to maybe integrate himself into the team? Andre Santos as well, but still very yeah. young and still very raw. Um, so I think they could benefit from a maybe a Premier League loan before being, yeah. um, you know, playing first team football for Chelsea. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think um, I do agree. But I'm, I'm hoping we get the Casado deal done. I mean, he wants a move. You know, ideally, I think it was Arsenal, but if uh, he's, he's he's happy, I think he's agreed personal terms with us as well already. So I think it's more a fee. Yeah, he had that Instagram post that back in January announcing his departure as well, didn't he? Yeah, um, he did. I don't like that though. No, I don't like that at all. It's a bit yeah, disrespectful yeah. Just, to the club. Um, yeah, just just let, let's do it through the correct channels and yeah. <laughs> announce it properly. Um, but yeah, Caicedo, if we can get him, what what a good deal that would be and good midfield partnership as well but sticking with Saudi because there's still a lot of players we've got to get through um, Koulibaly another player who has never really worked in his his only season for us so far and he came with the massive expectation of, of being I suppose the next Thiago Silva you know passing the baton over from Thiago Silva not in terms of the quality but in terms of that experience of being a, a top defender in a top league in Serie A you'd expect him to be able to do that and he just didn't really he, he didn't really grasp the Premier League I don't think so I think if we I think I can't remember if it's 15 or 20 we're expected to receive for a fee for him which I think is crazy because we spent quite a bit on him and we were only 12 months down the line should we is this the right thing to do for Todd Bowley rather than hold on to these players like we've done in the past and loan them out and then they end up as a, a Bakayoko who's just left the club. Is it right that we just cut our losses and say, right, we we spent 60 million on a player, we'll sell them for 20 and take the 40 mil loss. Is that probably the best way to go, especially with the, the deadline as well? Yeah, potentially. And I think he's also one that's earning a lot of um, wages. So it's wages mm. off the book. But that being said, for me, that's a player that I would have given another season to. Like you said, it's only 12 months. We're going to give Cucurella more time, I think. Why not give Koulibaly more time? Um, and if after Silva, probably our most experienced centre-back. And we do this talk of Chernobyl going to Inter Milan. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Koulibaly is one you might want to keep hold of. And another player that's still got that kind of potential and quality to play in, the, in Europe, at least at the top level. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit disappointed about this one. All the other moves to Saudi make sense, in my opinion. The Zietches, the... 
the um, the Edouard Mendes and the Cantaven, but for me, Klebali is one that I would have kept for at least another twelve months, or maybe reassess things come come January. But like you said, do you want to let it get into Bakayoko territory when you got this player on a quite a long contract that's just sitting there earning a lot of money? Probably not. So maybe the time is right if you could recoup at least half the money we paid for him last summer. And why not? But personally, I would have given him another year. I, I mean, I, I do, I would agree. You know, I, I do agree. But I think when you look back to last season when Badia Shield, who played really well for a part of the season, found himself on the back end of the season on the bench a lot. So I think maybe we are overcapacitated in that area. I think Levi Colwell, if Trevor Chalaber doesn't leave, there's two centre-backs there. Thiago Silva, uh, Wesley Fofana, so there's four already. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone, but yeah, I mean, I think we've got enough centre-backs, even without Koulibaly. I think if we can keep Levi Colwell and Trevor Chalaber does stay, we do lose a bit of experience because I still think Koulibaly is a very experienced centre-back. He's, he's a very solid centre-back on his day and he did show us glimpses of that last season, but I just don't think it was consistent enough. And maybe that was, again, down to the managerial changes as well. You know, it could be a massive factor, you know, the fact that there's not enough space to train all the players for match days, um, you know, to, to prep for match days. So it could be a number of things. I I, I think I agree with the cashing in mentality. I think I, I don't want to see players going out on loan, running down contracts. And, you know, I, I like the fact that we uh, we terminate Ross Barkley's contract and we just got rid of him. And I think Danny Drinkwater was similar or he's, his contract has expired. You know, Bakayoko's now off the books. You know, these players have to go. Um Ethan Ampadu, another player that I think has been told um, he doesn't really have a future at Chelsea. And I think from what I've just read, if not just before or maybe earlier, I think there's a 12 million valuation slapped on him. So clubs will be interested in that. I mean, that's re- relatively cheap for a, a good centre-back for his, you know, for, for the age that he is. So is it, I mean, Chalaba's another, you mentioned him, he's, a, he's, a, he's another one for me. Uh, I I want him to stay, but I think for his own personal progression, I think going to Inter Milan, which is one of the clubs that is heavily interested in him, would be a really good signing for them. So what do you think about Chalabar, who has broken into the senior team, has cemented himself slightly, but just hasn't really maybe given a chance, the opportunity to to sustain that throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, his trajectory at Chelsea really reminds me of kind of Fikayo Tamori's, who um, who started off really well. Then I think maybe might have got an injury and struggled to kind of break back into the team. It feels like exactly what, what um, Trevor Chaloba's kind of had, had in the last season or two. He's kind of had a really impactful start that struggled to get into the team. Um, then we had all these centre players signed in in last summer, the likes of Kulabali, Wesley Fofana, and he kind of didn't really have a um, he was a guaranteed starter for every every game. And he might look at Serie A and see as a really kind of appealing or attractive option for him. Um, tomorrow he's gone there and really shone and now he's kind of in contention to be at the called up for the England squad with every um, every time he has an international break so I think for his own kind of personal development it would be a fantastic move for him but I still like I mentioned about Koulibaly I think if we sell both him and um, and Trevor Chalaba we'll, we'll be short in, in, in defenders mm. in my opinion that leaves us with Silva Wesley Fofana and Colwell I think it could be depends as well if Pochettino plans on playing a back three or a back four um, do you show but, as well Badgeshil, I always forget about Badgeshil, yeah. yeah. But yeah, still yeah. one, there's still a bit of question marks about whether he's got that level or that, that also the, um, I'm still, I'm still a big fan of Badgeshil's, but, um, but yeah, it might be times right, maybe for, for Chiloba, maybe to have another loan or even a permanent move away from the club. But again, one that might 
come back to bear to bite us. Mm, true, I agree. I agree. I want to. I want to talk about Mason, Mason, Money, Mace, <laughs> Mason, Matt. Uh, who? It's such a strange one because I feel this deal should be wrapped up by now. I feel, um, and I know you posted it on our socials when he he sort of done his sort of final lap of honor at, at Stanford Bridge and then came back out um, after the fans had left. He kind of came back out for one last sort of walk around. The stress balls out again, everyone. Anyone listening on the audio? I've, I've mentioned Kante, the stress ball. Now I'm doing Mason Mount is back again. Um, yeah, no, Mason Mount obviously going to um, Manchester United looks like it's fifty percent. You know, I think he he wants to move. The club want the move. Chelsea potentially would not be um, you know standing away of the move. I just think the valuation of what Chelsea want is far away from what United want. It's it's split the fan base as always. You know, some of the fans are saying that he's not proper Chelsea, whatever that means. I don't understand what proper Chelsea is, but um, what's your thoughts? I mean, he's someone that we've spoken about a lot on here already, but what's your thoughts on him going to Manchester United, which for me is a, it's a bit of a no-no, but what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, dagger in the heart, really. Massive mm. dagger in the heart. It's kind of, kind of shades of that Juan Mata move to, to United yeah. back in 20, <laughs> 2014. Um, obviously different circumstances matter frozen out the team I know Mourinho wanted a kind of a fresh start elsewhere Mount still kind of a bit unknown for the reason why he wants to move away um, last season obviously he struggled with uh, fitness he wasn't kind of performing to the level but he's got a fresh manager now the fans adore him Chelsea's his boyhood club we made him tons of different contract proposals according to the rumours um, it feels like maybe he does just want to move away and he's not really committed to Chelsea. Obviously, we don't know what happens behind the scenes or what has happened behind the scenes. But one that, for me, is needs to kind of conclude soon because we, the last thing you want is a player in pre-season with one year left on his contract who might run down his contract and then we risk losing him for free next year. I mean, ideal situation would be he stays for that one year, um, kind of cement himself back into the team as a starter, a world-class player. Um and Pochettino gets him to extend, but that's a dream situation. And realistically, that's, I don't think that's going to happen, especially with what Bodhi said last summer of not wanting players to stay. That would be the free next um, next summer. Um, mm. For me, the valuation makes sense. You've got an English talent going to a rival club, uh, even if it's just one year less on his contract. I think 60 million makes sense. It should even be maybe close to 70, 75. Um, you look yeah. at what ha- when Hazard went to um, Real Madrid, I think he had one year left on his deal. That was 100 million, I think. Um, so you add in that kind of English tax to it or whatever you call it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. to a rival team 70 million makes sense um, and then what I'm not really appreciating as well as I'm hearing Man U, Man U, Manchester United offering him 200,000 a week I think that's what we also offered him or closer to that so it seems like maybe he just wants to go to Manchester United he wants to play in the Champions League again he doesn't believe in the Chelsea project or vision and if that's the case then let him go the last thing you want is a player that's not kind of they're all with it and not committed to the club, not wanting to represent the badge. And like I said, it's a dagger to the heart because you look at those f- pictures of Mount, James, Abraham, you know, when they won the Champions League in 2021, it just felt like this is what we've been waiting for as Chelsea fans. Cobham boys with the medals around their necks. Um, but yeah, I think um, sometimes it's just best to move on and let these things happen. And I want to say wish him the best, but can you really wish him the best at United? Probably not. I, I mean, something's clearly happened behind the scenes um, for, for for someone who's so connected to the club from youth level all the way to the first team. You know, he's been at his, the club for his whole life. It's the duration of his footballing career. 
to then suddenly just not want to even engage, you know, in a discussion anymore about a pot- potential contract with the club that he claims to love. You know, something has happened at the club for, for that breakdown in communication, in my opinion. I, I, no one is bigger than the club, you know, and players will come and go. It is, it, I think it's, it's a shame because I think he could have gone on to be, you know, the legend, you know, a legend of the club. And I, I think he would be one of those players that could say, look, I've played for Chelsea throughout my life. You know, the Mark Noble of, of Chelsea, you know, the, one of those players that just is Chelsea through and through. I think he had that and I think he still has that opportunity. You know, I think like you said, you know, 200 grand is what we, I think we offered him more than 200 grand. I think what I initially read a couple of months ago was that he didn't want an eight-year deal, which is what Todd Bowley and the Chelsea board were trying to offer to him. We then reduced that down to five years. So the same deal that United are offering Mason Mount, we've offered to him and that's the fight, the last offer. So if you're not willing to sign the deal that another club is giving you, that tells me that they, you have no intention. Something has happened at the club. So it is a shame. Um, I, I think his, his agent came out yesterday and said that he's he basically, there's no chance of him signing a deal at Chelsea. Um, and there's 85% chance of him signing for Manchester United. So according to Chelsea, the deal's got to be done by next Friday. Otherwise, it's not happening. So I think it's fitness instructor posted an Instagram post with um, Colway to see him doing well at Manchester United next season. I, and, um, I, I did see that, but is it yeah. real? Because then I, I've seen two versions of it. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but no, even you might be right. Yeah, yeah even yeah. as F1 interviews he did alongside Chilwell um, in Barcelona when he was at the Formula One. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just didn't really reassure any Chelsea fans today when he said no, he's not no. sure and... Even thinking back to that banner, we we the Matthew Harding um, put yeah. for him with the the boy who had a dream with him of the Champions League trophy. It's all kind of a bit of a shame. It felt like this one was a player, like you said, the next Mark Noble or next John Terry, the the, the player who'd play until his late thirties at Chelsea. So yeah, a real shame. But but players come and go, like you said at the start. So sometimes we just got to accept these things. I agree. I agree. We're, we're almost done for the long list of transfers. We're, we're nearly there. Um, take, take a breath and a sip of water. Yeah, literally. Um, I mean, it shows that we're doing the right thing. I think anyone who's shocked that we're selling all these players, you know, like I said, I think it's episode 87, maybe the fire self part one. If you go and listen to that, we spoke about it then. And I think this was always going to happen. We needed to do this. We haven't spoke about Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, Edouard Mendy, we've slightly touched on, Hakim Ziyech, you know, there's still loads of players that need to leave the club. Um, but one of them, David Datrafafan, who I mentioned earlier, with the takeover of Strasbourg as well, which went through yesterday, which the Kai Havertz money has actually gone on to, to pay for the club. It's the same amount, which is crazy to me. But um, 65 million, I think we've uh, we've spent on on the club. Is it a sensible move, first of all, for us to be able to have multiple clubs that we're affiliated with or that we own or that we, you know, we have that we can feed some of our players through like David Datcher for Fauna who might go on loan there. Yeah, it might make sense. I think when you're um, looking to sign Agate or trying to invest some money or pump some money into Sporting Lisbon, so it might have created that partnership between the, between the two um, the two clubs. Um, I think it's Manchester City who have that um, connection, I think, between, uh, I think it's an Australian club and I think it might be Girona and a French yep. club as well. Um, so maybe it's a new way going forward as these owners kind of buying new clubs and maybe creating those those partnerships and those kind of player swaps. Um, but Strasbourg Liga is a it's a brilliant league to kind of develop talent as well. So Thatcher yeah. Fana being Ivorian, he'll he'll be French speaking. Um, if you can go out to Liga, 
get maybe 15 goals in that league. You look at what um, FC Lens achieved this season, finishing second, qualifying from the Champions League. Small yeah. teams, smaller teams can do big things in that league. So um, it could be quite exciting for um, for Fofana to, to play his football there. Obviously, I think he was at Mulder before, Norwegian team going from yeah. the Norwegian division to the Liga. It's still a massive step up, massive step up. So I'm all for that lone move. I think there's other talks between Galatasaray, Union Berlin as well. Big teams as well. Really big teams. But I do think it's uh, a loan is needed for him for sure. Yeah, definitely. And if, like we said, you know, if we do, which it looks like we will get Nicholas Jackson. Um, let's talk about obviously Bro is going to be coming back at some point. And then I still think we might sign another attacking player. I do think we will. I don't know whether that's an out-and-out striker or if it's a you know, a, a number 10 or someone that's going to play off the striker. But I think we'll sign one more. We've lost, if we do lose Mesa Mount, we've lost Jao Felix, who didn't renew his loan. So we've lost two key players in that that department there. And we do need a bit more depth, I think. So I think we'll get someone else in. Um, wanted to touch on goalkeepers um, very quickly. It's obviously yeah, Edouard Mendy, who we did mention, is due to have his medical, if not today, I think in the next coming days um, before he signs his, his new deal. Um, Onana is a, a goalkeeper that we've been linked with so much over the last couple of weeks as well. Also linked to Manchester United, but that surely is the next key area alongside if we can sign Moises Caicedo, but the key area that we have to focus on because we can't rely on Kepa. Slenina, we're not sure if he's able to step up just yet, but we need to get a goalkeeper in that can compete with Kepa, maybe take that number one spot from him. Yeah, I'm still a bit mixed on this one because... I think Poshino has come out recently and said that Kepa is my number one for next season. I think he might have said that, which kind of leaves leaves the intention that he might want a backup goalkeeper. Then, but backup, you don't know nowadays if it's a keeper that can overtake him or can just play second fiddle. If it is a keeper that's going to play second fiddle, I say, I say let it be Slanina. Yeah. Um, give him the cup games, give him maybe the the game straight after the breaks, um, the international breaks, give him the odd kind of mid- midweek fixture. Um, but fantastic goalkeeper. You know, he's doing wonders with the um, US national team and the at youth level and with the development squad last season. Um, it could be the perfect kind of opportunity for him to kind of play alongside a more experienced keeper like we saw with Courtois and Petr Cech before yeah. slowly kind of overtaking him and becoming the number one. But going into a new season where we've still got high expectations, we've got a new manager, do we want to have Kepper as our number one? I'm not saying Kepper's not a talented keeper but he's shown last season that he's been brilliant and probably our second best player after Thiago Silva and Enzo um, or third best player um, but I'm still very mixed with this one because I think like you said Anana looks like he's might go to United David Raya is looking like he might go to Tottenham so you do wonder if we do sign a keeper who's it going to be um, I think um, Porto's keeper Diogo Costa is going to cost us an arm and a leg I think um, 70-80 million is what they're wanting for him which is a lot of money for a goalkeeper yeah. Um, I think like, like you mentioned at the beginning our priority should be midfield Caicedo that's where all our money or a large chunk of our money this this, this summer window should go towards um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with um, Kepa and Stanina as number one and number two for next season I would not be I wouldn't be annoyed I think that'd be a really good uh, you know backup goalkeeper he's not he's not a rubbish goalkeeper I've watched him for the dev squad um, like you said he's doing wonders for, for the national team as well so I wouldn't be annoyed at that at all I, I just think it means Kepa would need to really step up and maybe try and mitigate some of those um, errors that he's, 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 put, he's done last season as well. But it's, there's a lot to do. There's a lot, of, there's a lot to do in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to look forward to discussing these. I think more incomings, hopefully, rather than outgoings, but we'll see. 
Um, anyone who's listening, please make sure you go and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you go and hit the link tree link in the description. That will take you to all our social accounts and all our podcast episodes that we've previously recorded. Theo, as always, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. It's good to be back, uh, especially on a Friday as well. Friday therapy sessions are back in order. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully for, with another episode. Until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.